0: Welcome everybody to Path to CitusCon, the podcast for developers who love Postgres, uh, which is now available on all your podcast um, listening platforms. You can get to past episodes uh, and transcripts, etc. at aka.ms slash path to all one word. Uh, I'm Claire Giordano.
1: And I'm Pino de Candia, yeah?
0: And we are your hosts. And today's topic is my favorite ways to learn more about Postgres. Um, I want to introduce our amazing guests. We're joined today by Ryan Booz, who works at Redgate Software. He formerly um, of Timescale, uh, where he used to work. And I first met Ryan when he was a speaker at the very first CitusCon uh, event. His talk was about PGStat statements. And since then, I've run into Ryan at a number of Postgres community conferences, uh, and uh, he's just a dream to talk to.
2: I appreciate that. It's really fun to be here. Thank you all.
1: And we're also joined by Grant Fritchie. Grant is a developer and DBA, also works at Redgate. And many people think of Grant as an expert in Microsoft SQL Server. In the last few years, he's added Postgres to his toolbox. And he started speaking at Postgres events, including notably PG Day Chicago on the benefits of source control for your
3: database. Hi, Grant. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me.
0: So let's get started. Um, we want to know. We want to talk about some of your favorite ways to learn more about Postgres. Um, Ryan, I thought we'd get started with you, and specifically how you got started learning about Postgres. And before we dive into details, I'm curious what your favorite types of resources
2: were. This is a great question. Uh, I mean, favorite types of resources for me have always been community, quite honestly. And so it's something I'm. You know, we'll talk about more throughout this hour. Um, why I got, I mean, I've mean i shared the story a number of times, but uh, for me, I actually started looking at Postgres in the late 90s, early 2000s for a, a small project. And then career happened, and I became a, a Microsoft.net SQL Server developer and, and user for many, many years. And then I was ready uh, five and a half, almost six years ago, to look for a new job. And I thought I was going to help a small company in town uh, who had a big data problem, and I thought they were still using SQL Server. Uh, they neglected to tell me that they were leaving SQL Server. So I signed the contract, and I showed up day one, and they gave me a connection string, and it wasn't to a SQL Server; it was to Postgres. And so <laughs> I was just kind of thrown in. And uh, you know, my my reaction was because I was so used to reaching out to the community to find help and to see you know where I could solve my problems, how I can learn more, that was my first inclination is to start, whether it's on Twitter, finding things like the Slack channel, uh, you know, the blogs, all the things we're going to talk about today, uh, to try and start to find where that community was. And so uh, I'm really thankful, you know, as you've said, we've had a a lot of great opportunities to connect at events um, and and other ways through this community. And it's been really fun to see that grow really to a worldwide um, connection. And so it's, it's super fun. But that's where I start.
0: Awesome. Uh, Grant, what about you? Uh, what types well, my of Postgres... resources were your favorites?
3: Sure. Well, at the beginning, it's, um, I'll tell you right straight up, it's the Postgres, um, um, the website, postgres.org. Uh, that saved my bacon. Um, I would not have been able to learn this without it. Um, I found that doing searches on the internet, just like, you know, your bingle or whatever, you know, search engine you use, um was was giving me some bad information a lot of it was out of date you know version 9 instead of version 14 or 15 um and so uh, i had to keep going back to the to the source of it all to start with um, i've i've subsequently been finding more and more resources that are good but initially it was all postgres.org
0: i i think for some of the volunteers who work on that website and keep it up to date will probably be and especially all the people who work on documentation will be happy to hear that
1: it's pretty impressive the 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 documentation is 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 very detailed um and 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 a good read sometimes long um but worth worth the time
2: You know, I I was going to mention this at some point, this year has been the first time I feel like I've I've been able to contribute a little bit to the conversation. I've followed the PG SQL hackers news list for a long time, Uh, often feel very uh, underprepared to contribute much. But when it comes to documentation, it's been very, very interesting for me to really see how firsthand, how seriously documentation is is, uh, regarded and the care with which changes are made, the discussion that's had around small and large topics. I was looking at a topic around uh, the vacuum documentation. It's just really, really interesting to have that back and forth and see how someone who's been contributing for 20-plus years of Postgres sees that kind of content and and how we can interact and see what might be useful as Postgres develops. So I totally agree, and it's really interesting to watch uh, it happen in real time. Anyone can do it. If you want to uh, look at the, the mailing list, it's really cool.
0: So, well, well the, oh, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say that the, the one issue
3: I hit with it, though, is that, you know, I, 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 I have a very non-academic background. I, I, mean, I, am, I am just shy of being blue-collar in this job, um, and uh, I did find the documentation to frequently be dense, um and so it, it wading through it was sometimes difficult Um, even though the information i needed was there uh, finding it was sometimes hard
0: well i think that may be part of why there's a whole cottage industry of blog posts that get written right that are conversational that are meant to really explain a combination of concepts and background and definition as well as instructions right that and and to almost be written as, as if someone was sitting next to you at a coffee shop and they were your best friend and they were trying to explain it to you. Um, I think there's definitely a space for that. It's important, right, to explain things in these like accessible ways that work, not just for experts, but also for newbies. That's my perspective on the value of blogs.
1: I've got a question for either of you. The, 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 you, you, you introduced uh, some of your learning as... Um, Need driven, and that makes sense. Um, how much of your learning is need driven uh, versus just um, you know curiosity or um, keeping up with some podcast or blogger that you that you like? Um, I personally like to listen to podcasts, and they they keep me company on my on my bicycle ride to to work as I commute. Um, and uh, and it's and it's not just about the it's certainly the information, but then you get to know the the the, the voices. Uh, and, and, um, oh, they f- feel familiar. Um, what, what about you? And maybe Grant, I'll start with you.
3: Um, well, in my case, um, I'm, I'm still very much a, a reading oriented person. I, I, I've tried podcast learning and it just, I, I, if I zone for a second, I'm lost. And so I, I just frequently can't follow them. So I, I I'm, I'm much more about written material, um, um, books and, and blogs and websites are, are where I go. And so the, the driving force for me is still, um, very much trying to build the, the structure upon which I'm going to hang my Postgres knowledge. So I'm, I'm still just doing basics, you know? Um, and, and so it, it's, it is very much, uh, um, need driven. I'm not yet to the point where oh, that sounds cool. Let me go explore it. I'm um, I'm still very much a beginner and still very much um, just picking up the basics.
0: Brian, what about you? Need-driven yeah. versus curiosity? You what know, I think that's,
2: learning? yeah, it's transitioned over time. I, I think that the more I've had the opportunity in, in these last two roles to focus on Postgres and, and the Postgres community and how people are using it and what the needs are, you know, I'm in, I'm more aware of places like Slack and Discord, and uh, you know, the other areas, the other places where people might be um, talking about Postgres. And so, there's so much that comes to the forefront that I I think, oh my goodness, what is that? That sounds really cool. Right now, PG Vector and and the you know, various things are being announced around that. I don't have a specific need at the moment, but it's caused me to really be curious and want to go figure that stuff out. So, um, I appreciate. I, you know, if there were more uh, podcasts around this kind of content, there, there's a great one, uh, you know, the PG uh, Postgres.fm with my Michael Chrysophytis and um, Nicolay. And there's a lot of times I'll listen to that podcast. And like Rand, it is easy to be distracted about, I'll have it playing, and something catches my attention to say, oh, okay, I know what the topic is about. That sounded interesting. So now I can go back and uh, dig a little bit deeper. And it's just good to hear other people. Talk about the the top, you know, these topics, the things that we care about, because it, it triggers an awareness. I awesome.
1: listen to that one as as well. Postcross.fm. I think they also record. Uh, um, they, they also do video. You can listen yeah, to both do. audio and video. Uh, and I do find myself having to rewind when uh, if I if I zone out for a few seconds, um, or 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 just because um, I need I need to repeat some sections.
0: Well, I suppose that is the beauty of virtual content, whether it's a podcast or a video, um, is that you can rewind. You know, that—that that is one thing I wish I could do when I'm at an in-person event. And don't get me wrong, I love in-person events. But sometimes if I got distracted or just got confused, I would love to be able to like say, hey, stop, go back 30 seconds, please repeat that. And of course, that's not an option there. So one of the benefits, I suppose, of listening to a recording. So I, I know that the, the topic for today is ways to learn more about Postgres, favorite ways to learn more about Postgres. But before we dive into the more side, right, where we're speaking to people who are already knowledgeable and active in Postgres and just want to learn more, what about people who are just getting started? Do any of you, and this applies to you as well, Pino, have resources that you recommend To friends who are just getting started with Postgres, whether that's books, courses, blogs, um, community places, whatever.
3: Well, since I'm the most junior person, I'll start. Go for it. Um, Yeah, well, as I said, start off with the documentation. That is a great place to go. Um, but i'm I'm going to be really blunt here and say that I've started a blog series. As I've been learning, I've been writing down what I learn. So for someone who's coming from SQL Server, for example, um as I am, um I've been writing a series of articles that are that are just completely focused on if you know SQL Server here's here's the same thing but different in Postgres, um, or here's stuff that's completely different in Postgres. Um so you know we're we're working on stuff like that so i mean that's that's one i would recommend right away um but other than that i i, I still i will circle back to that original documentation as many times as i can
0: Well that blog series um i Just to let everybody know, Grant was not being self-promotional there. I specifically asked him and, in fact, invited Grant to be on the show because I know there's a lot of SQL DB um, users out there and DBAs who are thinking about starting to work in Postgres. Maybe they're thinking about a new job. Maybe they're consultants and they want to kind of grow that consultancy. And so having pointers to resources that help them take their mental model of the SQL Server landscape and move it over into Postgres is really important. Um, so yeah, I think someone may have just dropped a link in the chat um, to one of your blogs, which is great.
1: I haven't taken a look at these, um, but I love the idea of learning with someone who's uh, who's new to Postgres or who, you know, and, and more generally, learning with someone who can't make assumptions about what you know uh, because they're starting from scratch or started recently. I know you started
3: a few years ago, but still.
0: Well, yeah, well it's been
3: a couple of years, but
0: when you talk about writing down what I've learned, it reminds me a little bit of what Simon Willison over in the data set world and the um the Django world does. He was um, he was a keynote speaker at Cycle Connor event for Postgres earlier this year. And so therefore he was one of the first guests on this podcast. Um, before we had the tagline for developers who love Postgres and we were still figuring out what this podcast was going to be about. But he has a series of week notes that he publishes um, about the work he's done that week and also a bunch of Today I Learned blog posts that he publishes where he shares just, just the little things that he learned and that now delight him. And um, that benefits so many people. Uh, so I'm glad you're doing it too.
2: That was one of the coolest parts of that first episode. I really appreciated uh, hearing how Simon approaches that kind of content and just sharing of knowledge. It was really cool.
0: Well, and the the concept, the title for that was "Working in Public" or "Working in Public on Open right. Source," and and that is, right. I I think for particularly for people who work in commercial companies, maybe on closed source, it's a little bit of a different philosophy, a different way of doing things, but. Um, you know, and it's it's certainly more comfortable for those who do work in open source and everything they do is already in public. Uh, but yeah, he's he's got some great best practices. I, I wish I could do more of what he does.
2: Totally um Ryan? I was going to say, as far as as far as beginning resources go, if there are a few that I tend to go to, but one of the first is. Their documentation is great, but there's a, there are a really good handful of excellent blogs that I you know I look at. They take content that is you know can be pretty dense in documentation. They tend to uh, bring it to a more uh, hands on level, as it were. One of the ways I find out about that there are two ways. So one is Planet Postgres. So if you don't know about Planet Postgres, um, it's a blog aggregator. Anybody can submit their blog to be aggregated through the service. I'm sure someone put a link, in just planetpostgres.postgresql.org. And so they have a Twitter feed, they have a Mastodon feed, so you can get up-to-date uh, information about new blogs that have come out. So there's so many things I've found through there. Part of that, ooh, I see a shiny object, and I want to go figure out more about this. That's a really great way to do that. And then the second one I recommend often is actually the Postgres Weekly email. Uh, so it's put out by uh, Cooper Press. It's a small, I think, generally family-run business that is, has JavaScript Weekly and a couple others. But um, the team there does a really good job at picking out just some really good stories for each week. You get it in your inbox once a week, and inevitably there's something there that I would have never thought to... You know, think through thought to think through. Listen to me. I never would have you know explored or seen that side of the conversation if I wasn't a part of that weekly email. So I really do recommend it. It's not spammy, and it's uh, just gives you really good content to your to your inbox each week.
0: Well, and Postgres Weekly isn't tied to any particular team or project or company. It's not. Um, so and uh peter cooper who runs cooper press is completely open um i think there must be a link somewhere on their website that says if you have ideas of things we should link to just send them to us um so they're accessible and they're open and it's yeah it's super useful big plus one for that um and i I, planet postgres is a wonderful blog aggregator um and uh, yeah, I'm so glad there's a Mastodon feed. Uh, just it's just a bot, right, that picks up all the new blogs that have been syndicated there. Um, yep.
1: I'll chime in yeah. to say I I mentioned podcasts earlier, um, and so Scaling Postgres by uh, Crescent Jameson is my go-to to keep up with 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 the blogs. So um, every week, um, punctually. Um, Creston does a does a podcast where for about fifteen minutes he talks about um, uh, three or four blog articles, and he walks through them, um, gives gives the highlights. Um, can't go too deep with that amount of time, um, but then he 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 posts on his on his site, uh, gives all the links uh, if you want to go deeper. But it's a good way sort of to get a sense of what, what 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 you know. It's just hard to keep up with all the blogs, and so just getting a taste of of what's out there, I find that really really useful.
0: Um, Well, someone else just dropped in the chat and I've got to give a shout out as well. I completely, I think that's a great scaling Postgres podcast. And having been a Citus open source champion for many years, I'm very happy to have people talking about scaling Postgres, right? Especially scaling out. Um, But I also want to shout out to PG Analyze and Lucas Fiddle. He's got a five minutes of Postgres video series. Um, where he does the same thing. He looks at things that have recently been published or new features that have come out and he he walks through them. It's super quick. It's easy to digest. You're not signing up for like an hour and a half tutorial. It's five minutes. Um, And uh, yeah, a lot of people uh, sing its praises.
2: Yeah. I think Melanie actually put a link to that in the chat a little bit higher up and totally agree with you. Um, Really, really good stuff.
0: Okay, so we've talked about Planet Postgres, Postgres Weekly, Scaling Postgres, Five Minutes of Postgres, Documentation, and Grants Blog Series um, that is specifically targeted at people who are SQL Server experts and want to learn more about Postgres. Any other um, resources that all of you recommend for people who are new to Postgres, who are just getting started? Maybe books?
3: I do have a book link. I'm going to post that one later. Go ahead, Ryan.
2: Well, no, i would be interesting to hear what you have to say.
3: (laughs) Well, well, I mean, I'll bring it up in a second. Um, Okay. Honestly, for people who are just getting started, I also, going back to postgres.org, there's a community link on the Postgres um, website. Um, I wouldn't put that in chat too. Um, Community is so big. Um, Learning from your peers, networking with people so you know someone personally so you can then ask them a question, um, you know, like, oh, my God, what is this vacuum thing again? Because I'm really confused. Having someone to answer those questions that that's that's not some remote person that you've never met or or somebody who wrote a book or some blog. Um, I think, you know, having someone nearby your, your home um, or nearby your business so that you can actually, you know, talk to them in person. I think that's huge. And um, the uh, Planet Postgres has got a whole list of user groups around the world um and also meetup has got a bunch too so i mean i didn't i didn't put a link to meetup but but um that is just such a a fantastic resource is for that that 2 minute chat to get that perfect answer fast um that's that's what humans are are there
2: for it's it's well, a great point i think that the pandemic has you know really took a toll on so many user groups and i know that a lot of the postgres user groups have had some issue, you know, just some struggles getting started again. But I would were remiss if I didn't, you know, kind of, I have not, I'm not official in any way with PostgresQL.org, but there's been a very constant uh, need, plea, ask for help for local user groups. There's a, a number that did exist and just need someone to kind of get them going again. So if you connect to, to the link that Grant gave you, uh, reach out to the, the PostgresQL.us, or, you know, Postgres US Twitter handle, a couple of areas like that. I'm sure they would love to connect you with a user group that might be local to where you're at. Maybe you can help get it going. There's been a lot of requests lately.
0: Well, and then in terms of getting help from other humans, there's a Postgres Slack that is really quite active. A lot of Q&A happens on there. Um, and uh, I think Rob Treat said that he was going to be joining today's episode, so maybe he's on the Rob's chat. There can drop in a link if he hasn't already. Um, so, and then there's, uh, I think there's IRC channels, um, which I
2: IRC, there's, a, there's actually a Discord one, uh, you know, it's run by a, a little bit different Postgres group, but it's also very active. Um, and many people that are on Slack are also on Discord. So you'll see a number of people in both areas to help answer questions.
0: Um, and there's still a lot of people who ask questions on Reddit, right? Yeah. So um a postgresql subreddit um and then people also talk about postgres even on the SQL subreddit so yeah it's it's kind of I, I guess the postgres community subscribes to like meeting developers where they are as well um and then andrea Sherbaum sent me links to a bunch of telegram um groups uh where people talk about um postgres as well and i'm not sure how much q a is on telegram uh i have no idea I- Gave myself a little note to go find out. It's well, what about great. books? Any favorite?
2: Yeah. I mean, my comment was just going to be this. That's why I was interested to hear what, what Grant might have, have thought. Rick Grant has written a number of books for SQL Server, so I know he has a perspective on just the book writing process and the value that, that books really can bring, both in learning and community and so forth. But I do feel like books in the Postgres space feel like they're just a little bit harder to come by. Um, and, you know, I don't know why that is, there, there are books, and there's some great books. The ones, you know, Dimitri Fontaine's, which is already linked here in the chat. Uh, there's a number of administration cookbooks uh, through, I think it's packed from people like Simon Riggs and others. It's really, really good stuff there. A couple of virtual things. Um, there's a really good book that was started by, yeah, the one that Grant just linked to. This is by Henrietta uh, Dombrowskaia, and she run ran PGConf Chicago, runs a user group there, really good contributor to Postgres is a really interesting book. It has a great data set attached to it, which has been updated two or three times now. So it's a really good demo data set. Um, and I feel like, you know, that's kind of where it ends right now. And I think that's an area that we keep saying, like, is, are there some new opportunities here to provide some content in a book form in some way? So I'd love to hear what people think about it.
0: Well, before we go too much further, I, for people who are listening and can't see the text chat, I just want to name some names. So Ooh. Henrietta's book that you're referring to is Postgres Query Optimization. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. The ultimate okay. Guide to Building Efficient Queries.
0: And then Dimitri Fontaine's book that you referred to, which was on my list to talk about today because so many people have recommended it to me, is called The Art of Postgres. Um, and The Art of Postgres is geared, I know, towards app developers. Um and uh, I haven't read Henrietta's book. So talk to me. Who is that audience? And Henrietta's book being the one that is called uh, Postgres Query Optimization.
2: Yeah. Uh, the book is is more developer-focused, I'd say. So what I like about her approach in that book uh, is that it it looks at queries. It's, it's an approach I've never thought about before. What does it really mean to talk about a an expensive or what we would consider something maybe a large query versus a small query. What that looks like then from a, a query planning perspective. So it's not about administering the database, it's not about backups, restores, any of that. It really is about how to look at the queries that you're writing, the the data that is being requested you know, to satisfy that query and so forth, and how to think about what that might look like to, to reimagine those queries and ways to you know, use the features of Postgres to, to have better queries, faster queries, so forth. Yeah. Having
3: written several books on performance tuning myself, um, I really enjoyed that book. I mean, I'm not done with it. I'm, I'm, I'm reading it real slow cause I'm still learning everything, but, um, I love the way she broke it down on, on the idea of, of, um, what kind of query is it that you're trying to write, you know, as opposed to, you know, well, here's, here's how you fix your query. It's like, Whoa, wait, wait a minute. Are you looking at OLTP? Or are you looking at analysis? And if you're looking at an analysis, you're going to write queries differently than you are in OLTP. In addition, you're going to build your database different. I hope than you will with OLTP. And and that breakdown and approach I thought was really good. I'm I'm kind of jealous of it. Um, I've 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 talked about <laughs> it that way a lot in presentations and stuff. But when I wrote my books, I, I definitely still followed the kind of structural formula of. You know, here's how you identify a bad forming query. Here's how you investigate. And then here's what you do to fix it. Um, her approach was, I think, great. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely worth a read. It's just not for beginners. Yeah, I'd agree with that.
2: I, I, That's funny, though, Grant. That's, that was exactly my first take when I read the book, was this aha moment of like, why? Why have I never thought about talking about approaching query tuning like this? I, I really appreciated it.
0: So I remember talking to um, an engineer named Louise Grangeon, who used to work at um, Citus Data, and I think now works at Crunchy. Um, And she was talking about her first year working in Postgres, and she cited a book by Marcus Winand um that she had right there Mm. next to her computer that she consulted so much as she learned to optimize her sql queries and it was called sql performance explained everything developers need to know about sql performance um and the book's been around a while i'm looking at it on amazon it looks like it was first published in 2012 so gosh 10 years but um
2: uh, yeah, for those anyway. of who don't know, Marcus has a website called Use the Index Luke, uh, where he does. It's I would say it's earlier in my career. It was a go-to resource. Often, I will put that link in the uh, in the chat. But he, you know, talks about performance across multiple kinds of of SQL. You know, whether it's MySQL, Oracle, SQL Server, Postgres. Internals uh you know really covers the gambit, and just really good learning opportunities there about various operators, how things work, so I would agree,
0: yeah, plus one for that that website as well. I know in my first year working at Citus, um, that blog and website got recommended to me quite a bit by people yeah. One What's other those-
3: book I'd recommend that's just completely not Postgres oriented is um, if if for for beginners right if you're just getting started in this stuff is Database Administration by Craig Mullins. It's an old book. It's not going to teach you technology. It's going to teach you the job, um, and so it's it's worth looking at just a, as a general thing if you're just getting started on this stuff.
0: And when you say it will teach you the job, which job do you mean? Because there's so many different roles that exist well, now. Do you mean DBA? Well he,
3: ta- well, he talks about that in the book. He talk about the difference between being a database developer versus a report writer versus a DBA versus, you know, analysis versus, you know, insert the wrinkle that that you're currently in here. Um, and uh, it, it gets into that as well. So, I mean, it's a very broad topic um, that, that he covers in a very broad way. But but it's really, really, um, I don't know, I, f- I found it great. The first time I read it, especially when I was trying to help manage a team of of DBAs and database developers, it it, it made a real difference in in you know sitting down and explaining to people. No, no, no. This is what we expect of you. Um, and and you know it just it was it was a good resource
1: for all these uh, resources. Consumers, the, the the readers, listeners have to think about or worry about whether the resource is up to date or whether it still has um, um you know something important to say. Um, do you find that, um, it's hard or easy to, 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 you know, or, or, you know, do mostly these resources, um, obviously the ones you've mentioned you're recommending, but, um, is, is that a common thing or, you know, that, that there's some value you can still get out of, out of the resources you find, or is it hard to distinguish the ones that, you know, are outdated and, you know, move past them versus the ones that, that are still, um, that still have a lot of use, use, um, for new folks, yeah,
2: that's, that's a great question. Um, I think it can be challenging. You know, to, to Grant's point, and it's not the same thing that you're asking, but <laughs> y- you know, it anything like this requires some amount of you know discrimination. You know, does does this resource have what I need? Is it relevant? And it, it starts with Google. You know, I type something into Google or whatever your chat, your uh, search engine is, and did I go to the right version of Postgres in the docs? And so I think similarly when it comes to blogs and other resources, one of the telltale signs for me lately has been, you know, Postgres is, is making a lot of good yearly progress in its feature set, its capabilities, its responsiveness to issues, and, you know, just the actual development of Postgres. And so seeing that a blog and or a, you know, a resource is. Active is updated. Uh, Someone just made the comment that Henrietta is already updating her book. It's only two years old, but she's trying to keep on top of what's going on within Postgres. Um, That's a really good sign. And so it does take that little bit of effort to make sure that hey, the Stack Overflow post, this Reddit post, you know, this blog that seems to be a really detailed thing turns out is ten years old and isn't terribly relevant. Um, I think it just takes a little bit of effort, but usually it's pretty easy to understand where they're at that that's my I'd say that's been my experience more than not lately
0: what i hear you saying ryan and tell me if i'm putting words in your mouth is that you you do try to assess is this information relevant is it current and the answer to that could be the date that the blog post was published right oh it was published last month it must be current or it could be um a little more complicated than that like maybe the book is 5 years old or 10 years old but it's still incredibly valuable valuable because all those concepts are still true. And in that case exactly. how would you figure that out? The way I would figure that out is I would shoot an out a shoot a like a slack question out to other experts and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about reading this book. Is it still relevant? I noticed it was published 10 years ago. Talk to me, people." Um and the key is you got to discriminate. You got to find out.
2: Yeah, what you're saying is community, which I love. Like, that's a that's a perfect answer, right? Like, the more you can get integrated and, and and put yourself out to be a part of the community, it's so much easier to do exactly that, whether it's Twitter, Slack, or whatever else. Hey, is this still a good, relevant resource? And people absolutely share in, in, a, in a really good and relevant way, I think. that's I love that. It's great.
0: Well, I suppose the other easy test of whether something is still relevant is if it's all about Postgres 9.3 right versus being about postgres 15 well that's an obvious right. um discriminator right there um yeah
2: yeah no, i totally agree
0: okay so we talked I about gonna, books a little bit but not yeah, i'm just going to mention one, one of the books.
2: thing oh, i think you because i think one of your questions when we talked earlier was about online courses and i don't know that there are i always say i don't know there are a ton of course as soon as i say that it, wonderfully a number of people will put something in the uh, in the channel here. You know, the one online thing that I've seen recently is a gentleman named Rob Connery, who actually, I believe, works for Microsoft, he has been there for quite a while. Uh, he has done a few courses, both in book form and then accompanying a video. One of them is called, I believe, if you look it up, um, a curious moon. And so he takes a real-life data set and, uh, oh, Rob's a teammate of yours. So he takes a real-life data set about, um, I forget, one of the satellites in space exploration, just kind of all the information that was brought back. And it's a really interesting book. I've, I've worked through it a little bit. So I, I think there's some neat things to learn there for a beginner. Uh, yep, yeah, there it is, Big Machine. So that's one I've come across. Um, I, I have one about, you know, partially done based on similar to, to Grant, SQL Server, uh, you know, Postgres or SQL Server developers that I hope to make public someday. Uh, but I'd love to know if there are more that people have come across because I think it's an area. Some people are very auditory and they need that engagement.
0: For people listening to the podcast, I know there were a few pirated copies of A Curious Moon out there at one point a couple of years ago. And so I want to point you to um, the URL where you can find more about A Curious Moon. And it's bigmachine.io um, is the domain yeah. where Rob Connery has has published this. And uh, I actually had the tab open already um, because I, I had three things I was going to mention that were in the books category for me. But you're right. A Curious Moon is not just a book. Um, And they were The Art of Postgres, Marcus Wynand's sequel, Performance Explained, and this one. Um, So, uh, yeah, it's it's very creative, the way Rob goes about trying to help people learn. And he puts a lot of thought into it. And in fact, he's published videos that help other people create really good demos or really good videos. Um, And he shared his best practices and his techniques so if any of you are thinking of sharing your learning not by writing not by blog right not by authoring a book but by creating demos and videos um i would go check out some of rob connery's like how i did it or how to do it type videos which i think are all on youtube if yeah. i remember correctly. rob's a great I'll teacher find one. yeah but let's back up for a second online courses like are there any online courses like? where someone could learn SQL, right? How, how would you recommend someone do that? Because not everybody learns by reading. Some people have to
2: do. Any That's a great question. I'd love to hear what others have to say. I, I know of a few uh, right now. So a couple of the book companies, whether it be, um, of course, I'm not going to think of the book companies right now. Uh, there's the, you know, learn something in a series of lunches series, and someone's going to help me remember what book that is. So one of our one of our friends in the SQL Server community is doing just a SQL book, uh, learning SQL in a month of lunches, I think. And I, there's a lot of really good hands-on content. Um, something you sit down. I don't know if there's going to be an opportunity for him to start to. I, I, it's in preview right now. I think you can get kind of early access to what is completed. He's he's close to being done. Uh, there's someone just referenced. Uh, Another one of Rob's book called The Little Sequel Book. Uh, So again, at bigmachine.io.
0: I love the title of that one. I'm looking at it. Learn Sequel While Watching Football This Weekend. Free. (laughs) (laughs) That definitely makes it seem accessible.
2: It does. I love it.
0: Pino, what about you? Um, Do you or any of the engineers that you work with, have you ever pointed people to um, courses? That are online where they can learn some of this stuff.
1: Gosh, I think I have. We have a set of exercises internally that we point people to, or new new um, new devs that join the team do, and it, they're they're mostly focused around Citus. Um, certainly, we point people to the Citus documentation and and uh, take them through the the example, ask them to go through the examples there. That's uh, that's useful, but but specific to. Uh, CITES, which is scale-out Postgres. Um, But no, I'm not that familiar with other online courses.
2: I would add, you know, we haven't specifically talked about conferences yet, but I know whether it's the PGConf, PG Day conferences, it depends if you're in Europe or the U.S. Uh, You know, recording can be a challenge in various regions of the world. Uh, But I know the PGConf U.S. um, events whether they're in New York City or wherever they are, often they were recorded sessions. And most of the speakers will also include any example scripts and slides on the website. So it's really easy to go to some of those, see past events, PGCon and the like, see the slides, watch someone give the video, oftentimes even see the you know, sequel they were running if they were giving a demo. So there's some really good opportunities there as well. Oh, great. And then Andrew uh, uh, just pasted in the chat, I forgot about this, even though I recommended it just a week ago. Uh, crunchy data has a, it's called Postgres Playground. It's an in-browser uh, running Postgres version, and you can actually add your own custom data sets, and they have a whole bunch of custom data sets to learn features about Postgres. That's a really fun, cool way to to do it. Totally agree. It's, so it's crunchy data, and it is... Uh, just look up Postgres Playground, and you'll find it.
0: Got it. So,
3: Frankly, um, this
2: is an amazing
3: list.
0: <laughs>
2: it's really cool, huh? Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff here.
0: Well, before we pivot to conferences that I know you just mentioned, Ryan, but um, back on online courses for just a few more minutes, um, I have always wondered, and I'm wondering if anybody knows, how useful the SQL course at Khan Academy is. Um, I know people brave about some of the Khan Academy courses as like a way for someone who, you know, maybe their university degree was in something else, and they want to learn to program. And so they go there to take these online courses, and they're super useful. But how good is the sequel one? Would you would anybody recommend it on this show? Do any of you know?
2: Because I I was I would simply say I haven't looked at it in a few years. When I used to manage uh, younger developers who did not know much about SQL, it was one of my three or four... You know, We used to have like a Pluralsight um, subscription, so there might be some courses there we'd recommend. I can't right now. I haven't looked in quite a while. Um, okay. But I, the Khan Academy was one of them for just learning the basics of SQL. Um, and and it was, it was helpful to those who took it, but to be honest, it's been quite a while. I think it's certainly worth the opportunity to look at it for sure okay and
3: and i just don't know um i did post the link to um it's postgres sql tutorial or sorry sql tutorial and um it's it's not perfect but um it it's good um i've i've been using it for for picking up bits and pieces um when i got confused so it's definitely a useful resource and and it's and it's very much a, a lesson plan
0: All right, so now let's pivot to conferences. And um whether whether all of you find conferences a good way to learn. And let's talk about the in-person side of the equation first, and then we can talk about what you hinted at a few moments ago, Ryan, which is when those talks get recorded, right? Cuz that's that's useful for everybody on the planet as long as you have an internet connection, right? Absolutely. So in-person learning at conferences, is is that is that a way that you all learn? Or do you find yourself doing mostly networking at conferences?
3: I don't want to jump Grant? in first every time. I know,
0: I know. <laughs> yeah, Grant, you go first this time. I'm
3: kind sort of deferring to Ryan on all this stuff. Um <laughs> yeah, happy to go first. Funny enough, um, I've only been to two um Postgres conferences so far. And I sat in quite a few classes. I I spent time networking at both. Absolutely, I did. And I would never, ever skip networking at a conference. And for anyone who just goes to a conference and only attends the courses and doesn't network, you're doing it wrong. You need to network. But um, I've actually been going to, I'm just saying I've actually been going to these conferences and attending the sessions because it's a great way to pick up a bunch of skills quickly because yeah, you do see the same thing. Um, and, and in fact, I've, I've attended a few of like, oh, this person's talking on backup and this other person's also talking on backup. Let me go to both and see what, you know, what they're saying that's different and I can start to put together more information. Um, it's, it's been great, which is completely the opposite of what I do now if, if I go to a SQL Server conference where I almost exclusively spend my time networking and, and don't really attend that many sessions.
0: Okay, so so you're our guest, and I don't want to pick a fight with you, but but I've got to say that if you're an extrovert, and even though we only recently met, I think it's safe to say that you're an extrovert, Grant, am I right nope. or wrong? You're no,
3: no, no I'm, I'm okay. very much an introvert. Oh, okay. conferences destroy me. They are so hard.
0: Okay, because I, I was do going to say, anyway. It's hard for huh. introverts, some introverts to network at a conference, particularly if it's their first time, particularly sure. if they're not yet expert in the space. So um, oh, yeah. I know a lot of people who their first time at a conference, they they probably will do more attending of sessions and less networking because they just don't know anybody yet. And so I just want to sure. say that that's an OK way to get started. Um, oh, yeah. And. I'm really lucky in the Postgres world. My first Postgres community event, I was a speaker. And so when you're a speaker, it just makes it super easy to meet people. It's super easy to start networking because they just come find you, right? They want to have questions about your talk or or they just want to be supportive maybe. Um, But yeah, I get it. You're right. Networking is important, but it's hard.
1: I guess I'll chime in and say, I... um... I started in Postgres during the pandemic, and I had, just haven't been to conferences uh, except uh, virtual conferences. And, um, and in fact, um, Cytoscon, um the, the the conference we run, um, and that has a little bit of a of a uh, networking component as well. We we, we um it's where people can introduce themselves as speakers and so on, but um, and participate in in chats during the the sessions. Um, but it it's a completely different thing. I mean, so sort of my experience of the last few years has been completely different from pre-pandemic. And pre-pandemic I was in, in different communities, um, um, OpenStack, virtual networking, um, um and and there my experience was as you say, uh early on, um I really tried to attend the the, the um the conference talks and learn from the conference talks. And over time, um I introduce myself to speakers or ask questions. Um, the booths I found very useful too. Just being able to wander around the company booths, ask questions. Often not just company booths, but but um, uh, open source uh, or organizations that were represented there, um, and that was huge. But 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 the pandemic ended that all that for me, and hasn't started up again. Um, I wonder if others have the same. You know, what's been in your experience? And and I kind of miss. I'm I'm looking forward to getting back out there and going back to conferences.
2: You know, similar to you, Pino, I although I've been back in Postgres for, you know, coming on six years, um, my experience going to conferences has only been since the pandemic. And so whether it be virtual or having the fortune to even get back to the first Postgres conference kind of in that couple week span in 2021 where we could have a couple conferences and then, you know, things shut down again. And so I think it's changed the flavor of of how, what people expect to get out of a conference. And to your point, Claire, sometimes there's there's been that buildup of, well, shoot, now how do we fully interact again? Uh, and it, I think it still exists a little bit uh, today. To to Grant's point, though, I think to me what I've had to realize is just that you're you're absolutely right. Um, it's hard for an introvert to know how to interact. I think every conference that does a good job at at making those spaces available. Um, you know, speakers that are very good and I, I feel like it happens at every conference I've been to, which is really a blessing, that are very open to, to to say, "Hey, I would love to connect with you and hear your experience at postgres and and you know, please come find me. I, you know I would love just to hear your story. I see those things have an impact, and I think the more that we can do that whenever we're a part of an event or have an opportunity to to lead an event what have you That's a, that's a great way to build community um, and have people have a great experience. So I agree though, networking, I- I'm a mix. I definitely have talks I really want to go see, but I have also learned that again, I, I tend to be able to connect with folks better. Uh, if I really make an effort to go uh, find them, you know, Hey, the first time I talked to Bruce Momgem, he felt like, you know, Bruce is, is big in the community. He's been with his project forever. And I finally had the guts to walk up and-, and ask Bruce a question. And then we talked for almost two hours. So, um, uh, Take the chance.
0: I'm still, I'm still circling around what Grant said a few minutes ago about how, if you're not, if you're not networking at a conference, you're doing it wrong. And, um, and while he's probably right, I'm still stuck on it. Like, is, is, is that fair? But I want to share that at FOSDOM earlier this year, um, I ran into Flor de Reis, who interestingly enough is going to be one of the guests mm. in the next episode of Path to Cytoscon in August. Along with Chelsea Dole, um, and uh, we'll we'll pitch that topic at the very end of today's today's session. But Floor had a spreadsheet on her phone that she showed me. That was her plan for what she needed to do at Fosdem. I had never mm. seen that. Let me. Yeah, maybe all of you do that, and I'm the only person in the world who doesn't. But it, she was just super organized in terms of thinking about not just what sessions she wanted to attend. And at FOSDOM, you have to think about like where the sessions are because they're spread across buildings. It might take you 12 minutes to walk from point A to point B. Um, but also like who she needed to meet and who she needed to connect with and what booths she needed to go to. And I mean, she had a plan. And so I, I looked at that and thought, wow, okay, like those are, those are goals. Those are FOSDOM goals for next year. Um,
2: really do all cool. of you do like that?
0: That. Is that? Is that something everybody does?
2: Not to that of- level. Uh, you know, I, I absolutely look at the conference schedule anytime I go somewhere, just so I do make sure you know, sometimes it is specifically because of a speaker. You know, there's someone I, I know is good in a topic, I've never been able to be in the same space as them, and I want to hear how they talk about that feature in Postgres or whatever the conference is about. So I, I am intentional in that way, but uh, not to that level. That sounds pretty <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, right, so, I'm, I'm
3: going to confess to being very lazy about it and just, I check the conference schedule, I mark off some sessions I'm interested in, and then other than that, I kind of let the the wind take me. Huh.
0: Well, there's something to be said for that. That Letting the wind take you means you'll have these serendipitous conversations, right? You ran into someone, the next thing you know, you're having lunch with them. Um, right. So,
2: Yeah, I, I want to add one thing to your concern there, Claire, because I, I think it's really valid. I would say, and I see some chat happening as well, when it comes to, I probably would have stated it, in fact, written in my kind of notes in preparation for this was almost exactly what Grant said, you know, that one of the best parts about being at a live conference, at least, is the opportunity at least to connect. And, you know, it might take effort, but I think there's a lot of value in that because you don't know what that will mean later in your career, when you need help, later opportunities. But I don't think it just stops there. There have been a number of, if maybe that's one good thing the pandemic has taught us. It is actually really possible to form some, some good professional friendships over this technology virtually. And so maybe you do see someone at an event and you're not comfortable, but then you're able to reach out to them afterwards. And I think that the pandemic and that virtual communication has lowered that bar a little bit. Uh, and there's a number of relationships I have, some of which are in this room, this chat room right now, that I've only met virtually. Uh, but I have no doubt when I have the chance to be in the same room, that will only enhance the friendship that we have. So I think that's you know it can go both ways right now, and I think there's that opportunity we've gotten more comfortable with.
0: If we go back twenty years, our opportunities to build virtual connections with people were just not nearly as good. Like having wonderful video capabilities to have a conversation with someone who's thousands of miles away is really awesome, and then we have a lot of platforms in which we can. I mean, I guess we could chat 20 years ago, but like Pino and I have never met in person, ever. Have we, Pino? I don't think I don't we think have. So.
1: No, we haven't. We should.
0: Isn't we that should, crazy? But,
1: but, uh, yes, but we still work very well together, and I think that's, that's one of the wonders of the pandemic. Yes, um, like Ryan was saying, we've learned that we can collaborate for a very long period of time and very deeply um, without necessarily meeting in person, although it's nice to.
0: But if it were just voice, I don't think I would feel as close to you. I mean, having had so many calls where, you know, we're looking at each other's faces on the big monitor, that that makes a, a stronger connection, I think.
1: I, I have to agree with that. I think, I think uh, seeing people's expressions uh, and, and, yeah, body language, it, it's, it's incredibly important. I'm, I'm looking forward to I I'm not, on the, I'm not experimenting with, with, with the augmented reality, and, but, but I'm curious to see how that, that enhances things further.
0: Okay, so going back to the conferences question, and now I want to look at them virtually, like, um, do each and every one of you find conferences a good way to learn in terms of the talk recordings? Um, I know that Melanie Plagaman posted a link to, I think it was PGCon. it could have been a different Postgres event in the chat, where all of those talks at PG Con, which has historically happened in Ottawa, Canada, every year, they do get recorded and they do get published on YouTube, ungated of course, after the fact, um, and linked to from the this website schedule. Um, and so she finds that a useful way to learn, to go watch those talks. What about each of you, um, Ryan? You start this
2: time. Um, well, I was just going to say we haven't actually mentioned this this whole time. This is Path Cytoscon. I mean, I'm saying this because I am not a part of Microsoft, not a part of your team or anything. the The way that your the team specifically around the Path Cytoscon has handled that event, it's just been top notch. The quality, of the video, the care that you put into it, and so I. I think a lot of that content is not just excellent content, but the quality in which it's presented has been really good. And so uh, I, I would just advocate for people to check out the last two years and see what there is to offer there. Um, and not because I have a talk in either of those. It just really is well done. So I, I appreciate that. I love that something like this was born out of it, to be quite honest. So that's really cool. That's one I'd recommend to start with. Thank you
0: for that. I did, We did put a lot of effort into making those videos um, as good as they could be. Although I will say that, that um, any talk video is only as good as the speaker. And uh, we were blessed with lots of great um, talk submissions into the CFP and some amazing uh, speakers that we got to work with. So, um, but, so whether it's PGCon, I don't think PG for you records talks. Um, I know in the past, PG Day Paris has recorded talks, uh, PGCon does, CitusCon, an event for Postgres does. I'm sure there are others.
2: Like, yeah, PGCon New York City has done it the last number of years, as far as I know. That's right. Um, Postgres Conference, which is, again, a separate group, but they have a, a conference around. They have a YouTube channel that has some really good webinars and previous um, you know, maybe from 2019 and before, because again, the last couple of years, but there's some still some really good relevant content on some of those YouTube channels too.
0: And actually, particularly during the pandemic, when some of the user groups and meetups had to go virtual, um, that caused talks that were previously in person and only accessible to like the 30 people in the room, it caused them to all go virtual. And so a lot of those are up on YouTube as well. Um and Yeah, um, uh,
2: the the Postgres group, the one that I know that does it monthly and has for a long time, uh, is it the – oh, now I'm forgetting. It's not Portland. Um, uh, oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting this. Uh, is it California, the, the, one of the meetups they have every every month, and they have been recording and publishing all that stuff. I'll come up with that in a second. The
0: San Francisco Bay Area Postgres user group? It, uh-huh. Yes,
2: yes, that's what it Thank bay you. That's, <laughs> I couldn't remember okay. which bay.
0: i i I am in the san francisco bay area so so near and dear to my heart yeah um they do record those that's right i've given a talk there Um, and they're
2: from all over i mean i know odds who is it was on here he you know he's over in europe and he gave a presentation late at night for him and it was uh, recorded and
3: and that's
1: one of the nice
2: things about
3: recorded is that right
0: what did you say pina
1: Oh, i sorry for interrupting, but I'll, I'll, I was just asking, are those, are those sessions both in person and recorded? The those meetup currently the meet-up is not. Is...
0: But in the past, pre-pandemic, um, the meetup was in person and it was recorded also. They, they had, yep. um, somebody doing the video recording and getting it online on YouTube later. And,
1: and I'll just, I mean, I know that it's, it's harder to do audio. And just preparing video and audio for these uh, sessions that are in person but recorded. But I frankly, even if the quality sometimes is a little lower, um, I still get a lot out of both 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 styles. You know, style where it's sort of one on one, and it's clear that the 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 speaker was just being recorded. But there, and that's great for quality. But then in terms of just the naturalness of the of of the session, uh, watching someone who's who's in front of a live audience there's something there's something to that as well that 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 puts me more at ease lets me connect um yeah i'm not necessarily there at, at, at the same time but i, I think those have, have a lot of value as long as they you know the quality has to be good enough that you can follow see the see well, the see the slides and so on
0: i know as a speaker it's a lot easier for me to get up on stage and present to a live audience um as long as i have enough people in the room to make it interesting um And you just get energy from the audience. It's And it triggers a part of your brain like, whoa, I'm on stage, I'm performing, I got to nail this. And when you are giving a virtual presentation, it's a lot harder because you get crickets back. You know, you can't see body language. you can't see interest. Uh, you don't really know if anyone's listening or watching or going to watch. And so, um, you know, there are some challenges um, doing things virtually versus in person. But uh, obviously, we've all learned to try to make both, both methods work. Um, Grant, Brad, I
1: cut you off. Please, uh, please go
3: ahead with, with your comments.
0: About conferences and learning from the recorded talks.
3: Well, I mean, one of the re- beautiful things about recorded talks is if, if they have them, and you're there live. You can go to one session and not feel guilty about skipping another session because you'll be able to go back at least and see the the recording. So I mean, that's it's wonderful if you've got that resource. I mean, I, I granted I understand why conferences don't all have it for everything, but um, but if it is there, it, it's a great thing to take advantage of.
0: Yeah or if you have a serendipitous opportunity to go network and have coffee with someone and it means you're going to miss this great talk <laughs> but you know you can watch it later right well so. sure and
3: i mean and and if you are an introvert that one-on-one conversation might be a little easier than trying to talk somebody in a hallway so so it gives you a chance to pull away and 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 kind of quiet things down um and still and still attend the you know the conference as it were
0: All right, so we've talked about conferences, documentation, books, blogs, blog syndication, email newsletters, meaning Postgres Weekly from Cooper Press, uh, the Postgres Slack, Telegram accounts, um, the Postgres Discord, Postgres subreddits. Um, Are there any other favorite ways to learn Postgres for newbies or for experts? Oh, we've talked about other podcasts. We've talked about video series on YouTube. Um, is there anything else that?
1: Oh, uh, Claire, we, we, if we have uh, a few minutes, I wanted to ask Grant about um, resources that help SQL Server experts learn about Postgres. And 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 that question can can also be generalized because some people like to that, that have a knowledge base in in some other um, on in some other database might find it useful to learn in a structured way that reflects their their, their background. But let, let's ask a special, Grant the question specifically for SQL Server experts.
3: Okay, so I'm going to be really short on this answer because I haven't seen that much um, that's specific to that question, which is part of why I started producing my own stuff. But one thing, the one resource I can point you at that I have not taken advantage of, is Ryan has a precon on exactly that topic where he spends a day um, comparing the two and going through it. Um, and I, I have got to sit through that at some point really soon. Um, Ryan, you got to give it next week, um, maybe just for me. But uh, either way, that's, that's the one resource I would say that, that I know of um, other than the stuff I've been producing. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry, I hate, to, I hate to answer your question so poorly.
0: Well, Grant, let me ask you this. For somebody who is listening to this podcast after the fact, they don't have access to the, the text chat on Discord, um, what do they Google for to find your blog series um, for SQL server experts who are getting started in Postgres and what you've learned along the way? What's the name of the series?
3: It's called Learn Postgres SQL with Grant. And that's okay. that's that simple. Um, it, it doesn't come up as the top search. It's about fourth or fifth down, at least the last time I did a search. But it should be on the first page.
0: Okay. And is it a single blog post or is it multiple blog posts?
3: Oh, we're up to about 11 or
2: so now um, okay. and, and more coming.
0: Okay. So learn post yeah, so well
2: with Grant. Redgate hosts a, yeah. a blog. It's been a blog for many, many years, maybe 15 plus years, called Simple Talk. Um, simple so from all over the community, many different databases, obviously a lot of SQL Server stuff, but also MySQL and, and so forth. Um, and so we're adding more and more Postgres content now, which has just been fun to, to see happen and the engagement that's happening there. And if you're interested in writing, I'm sure that the Simple Talk editor would love to have some more people contribute Postgres content. So, Very cool. Simpletalk.com. I think it's hyphen. I think it's simple-talk.com.
0: Well, I think what you're producing there, Grant, serves a really important purpose. Um, and uh, I hope those of you who are listening to this, who are SQL Server experts, go check it out. And I'm sure um, if they have feedback, I hope they they give it to you so you can kind of keep it going. Um, so, sometimes even people love it and they don't say they love it. And so you don't get that feedback, right? And so hopefully people will give you that plus one that'll kind of keep you going so that you get to 22. Um, uh blog posts in the series well thanks
3: Um, that's very kind
0: one of the things i also wanted to flag i saw in the chat um melanie just linked to um the carnegie mellon uh database group uh has hosted a series of talks particularly through the pandemic it was called vaccination database talks and um and then it was uh let's see at first it was just probably like Oh, I don't remember all the names, but they were all about the different stages we all went through during the pandemic. And he did it semester after semester after semester. Andy Pavlo was one of the organizers. And so there is a whole Carnegie Mellon Database Group YouTube channel with all sorts of amazing talks, Um, not just about Postgres, about other database technologies as well. But it's, it's fascinating. So definitely a plus one for that also as a place to learn. Um. Okay.
2: Um, I, I'm just gonna let me just. I think they're all in the chat, but I'll just throw out one or two more. I know we're a little bit over time here, but uh, oh, CyberTech okay. has been mentioned in the blog. Uh, again, the CyberTech group out of Europe. Just some really excellent blog posts. Um, they just do a great job tackling complex issues in Postgres and and making it really accessible. So I I often recommend the CyberTech blog. Please check that out. C y b e r t e c uh, is their website Crunchy Data, who we've referenced a few times now. They have a, again really good b- a blog. EDB, you know, a number of these companies that have you know there's been some of the older guard, you know, people that have really been a part of Postgres for a long time have ended up at some of these places, and their content's just really really good. Um, so uh, consider that. And then one of the other ones I was going to mention was, uh, oh, I, honestly is the Citus blog. There's one thing I really love about Citus. Um, you know, There's a lot of content from before you guys were a part of Microsoft, but this is still really good Postgres content. But I've really appreciated it as, I think it's a good example, when when there are updates to the Citus extension, the way in which you communicate and really dig into um, that content and what has happened and what you're adding is a really good example. So I really appreciate the Citus blog as well. I think... As many times I'll do a search, I still end up at the Citus Data block. So uh, definitely check it out.
0: Yeah, we've morphed the Citus Data website to be more of the Citus Open Source Project website. Um, That's, you know, a lot of the commercial stuff from when it was a company prior to the acquisition is kind of all gone now. And it's really focused on the open source project um and in fact the set 12 release is coming out soon i'm not giving away state secrets by saying that because you can go into the github repo right it's an open source project mm-hmm. and you would realize that um and so yeah there's a lot of work going on now to get to get all those updates ready to go um so we can roll out 12.0 um and
1: we do try to uh, and we do try to update the 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 older blog articles as well which oh is, yeah,
0: uh, at least to put a note there saying like this is no longer up to date or go look at a newer version of this blog post. Yeah, we don't want people to be misled by some super popular blog that was written 7 years ago. Um so yeah, there's definitely an effort to to keep things current. But
1: thanks, um, for, thanks for mentioning that. Yeah.
0: I I think the Cybertech blog that you mentioned, I think they have somebody on staff who also works with the blog authors to try to make sure that the the blogs are not too dense, and that they will make sense to people, that things are that that complex things are explained in a way that makes them simple. And I think that's really important. Um I know, I know for our team as well, we have a bunch of blogging best practices. In fact I gave a talk at Conf you last year and FOSDOM about that very topic where, you know, we we really take steps to try to make what we write um As useful as it can be for people, we don't want to make it hard for people to learn.
1: Sure, Claire, I think you just answered a question I've had for a while, which is who who gets to decide when people say this is a five-minute read, difficulty level medium. (laughs) And I always wonder, you know, what about the time I need to stop and think and reread? Uh, So maybe maybe it's the folks uh, that you just mentioned.
2: Uh, I'll right. give one quick plug here. I, I, I have to do, it, I guess. So uh, coming from SQL Server, I gave a talk maybe two years ago about community and trying to figure out Postgres community as someone new. Uh, and one of the initiatives out of that we're, we're ten months in, we just had the tenth month. it was It was an initiative based off of something that that the SQL Server community has done for more than a decade now, which is a monthly blog event, so you have someone that hosts a month and they say, "Hey, let's all write about topic X." And anyone can do it. There's no No one's forced to write, but if you want to, you can contribute a blog post on one day a month. Everyone does it together and publishes their blogs. So I finally started that. I call it PG SQL Friday, P-H Friday. I was trying to kind of take off from the T-SQL Tuesday thing. Um, And so we've had 10 months now. Uh, We're about to hit the 11th month. You can go to pgsequelfriday.com. And I'd love to have more hosts if if people are interested in helping. You know, just, again, it's about community. uh, People who sometimes haven't contributed. But one, two, it's helpful if they can just be given a topic. You know, it doesn't have to be deep and technical all the time. We've had someone challenge people about exactly this community. You know, how do you do better? Or how do you connect with the community in Postgres? And so there were five or six or seven people that blogged about their experience with community and how they figured out how to do it well. So if that's anyone that listens now or later, please reach out to me. Uh, I'm sure that my contact information will be available, Twitter, um, you know, However, you can find me, Ryan Booz, B O O Z, I'd love to have you host a month.
0: I am literally kicking myself for not bringing that up. I'm, I, I think that is a great way for people to learn. And I've loved seeing just folks fr- from different Postgres companies and different countries all kind of jump on this bandwagon and yeah. um, support it and write blogs on the topics. I think. The most recent one was hosted by Alicia um, who works was. on the, the PM team here at Microsoft. And it was about PG Badger. Is that right?
2: Yep. That was it.
0: What are some of the other topics that PG SQL Friday has already covered? And again, Friday is the uh, with a pH.
2: <laughs> yeah. I debated that one forever. Everyone has an opinion. Um, but anyway, uh, we've talked about backups. Uh, we've been challenged by community. Um, we have been asked about, you know, your favorite use of PG Stat statements, um, you know, just really across the gambit. And and I promise you, every month, not all of them are deep technical posts. You know, it's just people sharing their experience, which for me, honestly, again in the SQL Server world, that they have this event they call T SQL Tuesday, and you know, there's a great mix of technical and kind of just professional stuff. And it really helped me feel like I could contribute something back and share an experience. And so that's that's the goal. That's the hope for it. And so I'd love to see more ideas. Nothing's too, nothing's, you know, I think anything that's around Postgres and, and SQL would be a great topic. So consider it.
1: Ryan, well, the, I, the, the, the posts that, that folks write, uh, they write them in their own blogs or they, 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 then, then you link from them yeah. from uh, PG SQL Friday?
2: Yeah. So they write them for their own blogs. So the idea uh, all along has simply been that. Originally, it was about community. Again, I'm going to borrow from the SQL Server side. It was about community, and it was about getting people to blog more because that way we have more to share. And so everyone writes from their own blog. Or In my case, I'm not trying to be too rule-focused. So the first Friday of every month, basically the last Friday of the month before, someone gives an invitation. Hey, this month, I'm the host, and we're going to talk about you know, the best way to uh, scale Postgres. And then everyone has a week to come up with whatever blog post they want to contribute to that topic. And then the, the goal is that on the first Friday of every month, people just make their blog post public, they publish it, and they link back to the invitation so everyone can see that connection. And then the host writes up a, a really short uh, roundup. Here's everyone who posted so that there's a central place to link back to it. So it's not a central repository. That website is really just to host the announcements to make sure that people can get to them.
1: What a great idea! Uh, let me just ask, uh, just in case um, there is—is is there anything else that you brought in, you know, from from your your SQL Server background and experience and knowledge of that community?
2: Um, I mean, the the other one is funny, Rob. If he's still on a Robert Treat, um, the the one that he and I talked about at one point, uh, which is interesting um, in today's world, where we're at with things. But there used to be, there is still a very active channel on Twitter called SQL Help. Um, It was actually my very first way to get connected to the SQL community, because I could just add a hashtag. And within minutes, I would have someone just give me an idea about the problem I was having. So we've talked about something like that, obviously, between Twitter and other things that are happening. Maybe that's not as as relevant (laughs) right now. Um, I love some of these ideas. We do, you know, the the SQL Server community. Uh, Melanie's been posting some ideas in the chat about how to make events, uh, you know, have some more social components to them. Uh, and I think that the SQL Server community has done that often as well.
0: I I think it's, I think as the Postgres community evolves and grows over time, there is nothing wrong with stealing ideas about effective ways of doing things. Um, whether it's helping people learn or helping build community from other technology spaces, whether it's in this case, SQL DB or, you know, Python or Django or basically any community that's doing something really well. Um, Because, you know, we're going to keep growing and I hope the Postgres community continues to evolve and change. And there's nothing wrong with learning from others and taking playbooks that are already known to work. Amen. I think it's I think it's cool. You know, um, before we leave, I have one more shout out that I have to give. Um, Andreas Scherbaum um, is, lives somewhere in Europe, in Germany, I think, and he's a longstanding member of the Postgres community. And a couple of years ago, he started a blog series called Postgres Person of the Week. And um, while that doesn't help you learn about a particular feature or how to do things with SQL, um, it does give you insights into the people that are in this community, Um, developers, contributors, community members, and, and I think that's really useful, right? Just to understand that all these people got their start in different ways, come from different places, have totally different kinds of roles. And I think particularly for someone who's a newbie, it kind of can give you some insights into um, how, um, how your own path may be unique and different, but there is a path for you in Postgres. So
1: How true? I want to second that, uh, Claire. How true? To know who's who in a community, where, when community matters so much. Um, yep, absolutely. A yeah, valid, uh, um, really valuable resource. I'm, I'm, let me I'm let me just I, add I on was to so that. I'm glad when I saw that.
2: It's a it's a great website. It's a great idea. Andreas puts a lot of time and effort into those, um, and it just it gives you great view. I, let me just quickly give a shout out also to Andreas and Alicia. When I probably four years ago now, I don't know how long ago it was. You know, I was still trying to figure out some things in Postgres. I was frustrated about some stuff. I Threw up one or two Twitter comments like, "Where can I get help?" And they reached out in the matter of an hour or two and said, "Hey, we're available tonight to hop on a on a video call." And we just and they did, and we were able to to you know talk about um, just community and and what some of those resources are. I could share. Here's what I'm used to, and, and so I love that there are you know people like Andreas who just care so much about community and are really working hard uh, at events and other places to to make sure those things are possible. So good work and keep it up.
0: Awesome. Well, I want to thank you, Ryan, and thank you, Grant, for joining Pino and me here today. I also want to give a shout out to our producers, Carol Smith and Aaron Wisling, for making this all happen behind the scenes. And of course, thank you to everyone that's on the live text chat, which is awesome. this show is going to be made available on all the podcast platforms now um so people your friends your teammates your colleagues whoever you want to recommend it to um can listen to it online it'll get published within the next two days if you go to aka.ms slash path to cytoscon all one word two is not a number it's the word t-o um, there you will find an index of all the past episodes which will soon include this episode um and then also a shout out that the next episode is going to be on wednesday august 9th um, at 10 a.m pacific again with floor the and chelsea dole and that topic is going to be you're probably already using postgres what you need to know um so yeah we're excited about it but Right now, we're excited about this conversation. So again, thank you, Pino, Ryan, Grant. This is great.
2: Thank you. Thanks to both of you. It's really appreciate that you have continued this on and you have a vision to move this forward. These kind of conversations in the community are just so helpful. So thank you so much for putting the effort in.
3: Yeah, what he said, this is, I really appreciate the opportunity and and, um, you, you guys are doing great work. Please, please keep it up.
2: Well,
0: it's a lot of fun to make. And then those of you who are listening, if you have ideas for future topics, future guests, um, you can always uh, reach out to me on the Postgres Slack or on the site of Slack um, or even on Twitter. I'm at Claire Giordano.
1: Ryan and Grant, very nice to meet you. And thanks to everyone in the audience for
3: participating. Great chat as well. I enjoyed it. All right. It's thanks a wrap. it been a pleasure.